is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Friday, January 22nd, 2021. This is going to be a really fun show. I'm really excited about the show. We got a lot of awesome news. The stove is hot. The stove is the stove is so hot. Ooh, ooh, it burns. Hide the children. Save the children. I can't wait to talk about all the big free agent news that broke over the last few days. And this is going to be a fun show. But I do have to start off by addressing what I talked about on Tuesday's podcast regarding the Jared Porter situation. You know, I opened up a lot, probably uh, probably too much, to be completely honest with you. And I'll just say, because I was being fairly cryptic, I, I just want to clear up one or two things. Abuse of power, uh, especially in, in that realm, the journalism, the sports world, uh, is, is a trigger maybe isn't the right word, but it, it strikes a nerve with me every time. It bothers me. And when something bothers me like that, I get very self-righteous. And kind of uh, hop on my soapbox, and I get I get very angry. That's why I didn't wait until Wednesday to record a podcast when I probably should have. I wanted to address it in the moment because that stuff really, really bothers me. I also felt like in the second part of the episode, I was being really overly cryptic, and I, but basically the point I was trying to make was that every man at some point learns in their life what is appropriate in a professional capacity. And I mentioned, I, I learned at a younger age, other people learn when they're younger, other people learn when they're older, and, but you got to learn. If you want to maintain healthy professional relationships, you got to learn how to be an adult. And this guy, Jared Porter, clearly never learned. At age 36, he was making mistakes that a, a 17-year-old freshman in college would be too stupid to make. It was either the best episode I've ever done or the worst piece of crap I've ever recorded. Either way, I appreciate all of you sticking with me. I know it was probably not the easiest show to listen to. If you did listen, I mean, I did give that that disclaimer beforehand, but that's a show that I'm going to record every couple months. Every couple months, there's going to be, it's like a sitcom, the very special episode of Family Ties, right? They, this was That was the very special episode of Locked on Tigers. Starting today, we're going to get back to having fun. We're going to get back to being funny and informative and talking about this great, great game. Let's jump into it here. There will be other signings that I do want to discuss that have gone on already throughout Major League Baseball. One that we'll pro- maybe talk about on Monday or even next Wednesday show, Jay Happ signed a one-year $8 million deal with the Minnesota Twins. That does have some impact on the Tigers. Obviously, the Twins are an American League Central rival for the Tigers. I'll talk about all that stuff maybe uh, heading into next week, but I got to start with the big news that went down on Tuesday night. George Springer, formerly of the Houston Astros, signed a 6 year, $150 million contract with the Toronto Blue Jays. That boy is headed north of the border. I don't know how much $150 million is in Canadian dollars. What's that great line in dodgeball? Why don't we do this in Canadian dollars and save ourselves some money? George Springer had that idea. He's going north. What an incredible tenure he had with the Houston Astros. World Series MVP in 2017. Made some all-star teams. Great leader for them as well. One of my favorite players in baseball to watch. And the Toronto Blue Jays also signed a former all-star closer Kirby Yates, who was the the best closer in baseball in 2019 with the Padres had an injury riddled season last year, but that's a nice low risk, high reward move for them. The Toronto Blue Jays are officially in the high roller sweepstakes and good for them. I think this is a great signing. And you know, like I brought up before, I've had a little bit of trepidation about Springer because he is 31. He's older than I thought he was a six year, $150 million deal. Hey, I think that's, that's solid because, and the reason I say this is, 
he doesn't need to be elite prime George Springer for all six of those years for that contract to be considered successful. If he gives them three really good years and then maybe tapers off near the end, that's still a really good deal. You know why? Because the Blue Jays have reinforcements. They have Biggio, and they have Bichette, and they have Vlad Guerrero Jr., and, and they have Grichik, and they have, a, they have a surplus of outfielders. That's the other thing, too. One of those guys is probably going to get traded. I don't know if it's going to be the younger Guriel kid. I don't know if it's going to be Grichik, but I think they're going to try to acquire some more starting pitching. I think they might be done in terms of free agent signings, though there was a big rumor uh, on Wednesday morning that I am going to discuss. But George Springer headed to Toronto. I think that this is awesome. I like George Springer a lot, and I know some Blue Jays fans, and I'm really happy for them as well. I think it, I think they're going to be successful. And that is a division that has a lot of teams kind of in the middle of the road, kind of twiddling their thumbs. The Yankees are obviously very good and should remain the favorites in that division. You have the Rays, and look, the Rays are are a wonderful organization. They're, they're extremely well run. They made it to the World Series last year, so they're not really going anywhere. But I said many times on the pod last year that 2020 was a perfect opportunity for a small market team like the Rays to break through, win the American League, and make it to the World Series, and that's exactly what they did, and I give them a ton of credit for that, but they also trade half their team every offseason. You know, at some point, I feel like they may hit a wall. The the Blue Jays have seen an opportunity, and they've uh, capitalized on that opportunity, and I think that is great, and it needs to be said as well. The Toronto Blue Jays did make the postseason last year technically, right? They they were an eight seed. They played two games, got mollywopped by the Rays, and their season was over. So, But let's ignore that for, for the time being. In terms of the current postseason format that we're probably going to have at least for one more year, the Blue Jays have not made the postseason under that format since 2016. So this year, they will be five years removed from their last appearance in the American League Championship Series. Five years removed, let's be honest, five years removed from the last time they were really, really competitive. In that time, that was a rebuild that technically started probably around 2017. They made it to the ALCS in 2016, lost, had a very bad start to the 2017 season, and ended up kind of beginning that rebuild. Now, their rebuild also kind of began while they were good, because unlike the Tigers, the Blue Jays realized that you can have a competitive Major League product while also building through your farm system. I don't know if I've ever discussed this on the pod, but I worked for the Lansing Lugnuts in 2017 when they were the single A affiliate for the Blue Jays. I was terrible. I didn't know what I was doing. I think I was a cameraman for some of the games. I don't think they liked me and I think I almost got fired, but that's beside the point. Beside the point. And that was when Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bichette were in that system. They were on the single A team, got moved up, I think, halfway through the season, and obviously they're in the major leagues now, but they they realized after 2016 their window had shut and they were starting to rebuild in those seasons. And I'm going to read off every season they've had since 2016. 2017, 76 and 86, a fourth place finish in the American League East. Not a good season. They got off to a terrible start, but 76 wins. You know what? You play a 76-win team in a three-game series at any given point in the season, you say, okay, well, we got to bring our A game. We, we got to be good. I hope they don't start any of their good pitchers. Uh, they're, they're not a pushover. The next season, Pretty darn bad. 73-89, and 89, a fourth-place finish in the American League East. That was really when I think they were like, all right, we, we got to start making some moves. But, you know, it wasn't all bad, and they, and they made some moves. They were able to trade Jay Happ at the deadline, who I believe had an all-star season. 2018, a really, really bad season. I'm not going to act like it wasn't. John Gibbons gone after that. They hired a new manager in Charlie Montoyo. 
2019, probably rock bottom, 67 and 95, but you saw the Major League debuts of Bo Bichette. You saw the Major League debuts of Vlad Guerrero Jr. Marcus Stroman had an all-star season for them. Ken Giles was wonderful. You trade Stroman at the deadline as well. Kevin Biggio emerged. The pitching was not good at all. That was probably their worst season, but again, I think in general, many people believe that they were kind of trending upward. That was also a fourth place finish. Last year, 32 and 28, third place in the AL East, made the playoffs, only played two games, kind of got mollywopped by the Rays. But the point I'm trying to make is that during their rebuild, they never had a last place finish. They never had a 100 loss season. Unlike the Tigers, they had been building even when they were good. They didn't wet their diaper for five years in a row and then fall into some high-level talent. They did a good job of acquiring guys even before they hit rock bottom. And when they hit rock bottom, they called up those guys. And guess what? Now they're pretty good. And they're going to be a competitive team next year. And they're going to be a competitive team for years to come. So when pe- when people try to get on me for my skepticism about the Detroit Tigers rebuild, it's examples like the Toronto Blue Jays are why I'm so critical of what Detroit is doing. Detroit's rebuild technically started at the midway point of the 2017 season, right around the time that the Blue Jays rebuild started, to be completely honest with you. And right now, the Toronto Blue Jays will have a team this year. And you know what? They might have injuries. Guys might underperform. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters, okay? But they are going to come into this season under the belief that they could be competitive and they could fight for a playoff spot in the American League. Whereas my Tigers are going to do their best to stay out of last place in year five of a rebuild. It's where I think, in a, to a certain extent, Illich and Avila, mainly Illich, have taken advantage of the fans' patience. They keep promising, we'll get there, we will spend, just waiting for the young guys to develop. Look at Toronto. Look at where they're at. They just signed George Springer. They just signed Kirby Yates. They have the farm system, and they have the guys in their current major league team, potentially, to make a move to trade for a Luis Castillo. They aren't done. That's going to be a good team in 2021, and the Tigers' best signing right now has been Robbie Grossman. So if there's anyone doubting or angry as to why I'm so skeptical, compare what the Tigers have done with other teams It's night and day, quite frankly. There was also a report, and this is going to be a long first segment, and this is going to be a long show. I think I'm making up for uh, Tuesday's show was all somber and sad. I'm making up for it with with some, not hot takes, but but, um, I have a lot of energy today. Very high energy. Let's roll. Michael Brantley, there was a report on Wednesday that Michael Brantley was going to be signing a three-year deal with the Blue Jays, and I was freaking out. I'm like, good Lord, the Blue Jays are just going absolutely nuts. Either that report was garbage or in the fine in the 11th hour he had a change of heart he ends up re-signing with the Houston Astros a 2-year 32 million dollar deal Michael Brantley one of the most underrated best pure hitters in the entire sport I've always liked watching him you know had some injury issues in Cleveland but has really turned it around had a great final year in Cleveland and had two phenomenal seasons with Houston in 2019 and 2020 they do not go as far as they did in both of those seasons if not for my, what Michael Brantley brought to that baseball team now I have this weird relationship with the Astros I have a weird relationship with that fan base and that team I, I'm very honest though and I always have been I think we're reaching a point where the Houston Astros, and look, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong here, because they were one win away from making it to the World Series last year. Their championship window, I feel like, is on the verge of closing. 
Now, in the last 12 months, they've lost Garrett Cole. They've lost George Springer. Verlander had the injury thing, but they're not going to have him this season. They've lost Roberto Ozuna, who was solid enough closer for them. They lost some key pieces of their bullpen. Their bullpen last year was made up entirely of rookies. Now, I think they'll be competitive as long as they have someone like Brett Strom as the pitching coach there. I I think he's maybe the best pitching coach in the entire sport. And really, last year, you can make the argument that they overachieved. But they kept that championship window cracked open just a little bit with the re-signing of Michael Brantley. That's not a great division. Like, that is a division with the Mariners who stink, the A's who are good but always have kind of a low ceiling, the Angels who are terrible, and the Rangers who are terrible. So, as much as I think they're—you know what? Heck, maybe I talked myself out of this because as bad as that division is, they might be the favorites by default. That's a really bad American League West, and I think the re-signing of Brantley— ultimately could make them the favorites to win that division. But as we've seen before, and we've seen it with the Tigers, being the favorites to win the division nowadays does not mean as much. It does not mean as much as it used to. There's a big difference between being the favorites to win your division and being one of the favorites to win the American League. I think Cleveland suffered from that for a while where they were winning divisions, they were making it to the postseason, but outside of 2016 and 2017, I very rarely ever felt that they were a team that could make it to and win the World Series. We'll see what happens with Houston. That is, well, you know, I guess they've had a lot of problems, but in terms of baseball prowess, they have been a well-run organization for the last, you know, almost decade now. They needed to re-sign Brantley, and they did at the last second. So that will do it for a very long first segment, but a good first segment. We will be right back here in segment two. I do have some Tigers news to talk about regarding some prospect rankings for Baseball America. See you in just a second. AFC and NFC championship games are set. College basketball in full swing. My Michigan Wolverines in the thick of things in the Big Ten championship race. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust if you're betting on games, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we're back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in on this Friday. Good first segment, right? A much lighter affair as opposed to what we talked about 
on Tuesday's show. I, I think I said this as well on Tuesday, but I'll just bring it back up. That whole recording an emergency show in the middle of the week during a non-scheduled day, that's not going to happen. We're going to go back to Monday, Wednesday, Friday starting next week. I kind of had multiple things to choose from here regarding what I wanted to talk about in segment number two. There were a few more free agent signings. The Padres made a trade. The Mets were part of that trade. Wade Davis signed a minor league deal, I believe, with the Royals. Like There were several things that maybe I could have discussed, but when in doubt, talk about the Tigers, because this is a Tigers podcast, and Baseball America released their updated list of the top 100 prospects in baseball. Five Tigers are on there. The Detroit Tigers, worth noting, the only team in baseball with five players in the top 100, at least according to Baseball America. Those five men are Riley Green at number 31, Matt Manning at number 30, Casey Mize at number 28, Tarek Skubal at number 20, and number one overall pick of last year's draft, Spencer Torkelson, the number five rated prospect in baseball here in 2021, according to Baseball America. No real surprises. I think general belief seems to be that Riley Green is trending upward. He's He has still played very little minor league baseball. I mean, he was drafted in 2019, had a few months down in, in, in rookie ball, I believe it was. Did not have any minor league experience last year, obviously. Nobody did. Manning, relatively in kind of the same place that he was. Scooball, trending upward. I, I think that the little bit of promise he showed at the major league level last year helped. And he'd been trending upwards for several years. I mean, he skyrocketed kind of through the rankings starting in 2018, 2019. And Spencer Torkelson, number one overall pick, probably right around where most people expected he would be. I would say also, you know, assuming he hits the way people believe he's capable of hitting, probably trending upward as well. The one surprise, I guess, that people had is that Casey Mize dropped quite a bit. He dropped down to number... 28. Now, it's worth noting that I think Baseball America was never as high on Casey Mize as some other outlets were. Like, I know when in 2019, when after he threw the, the no-hitter in double-A and was really rolling in the minor leagues, I believe MLB.com had him ranked as the number two overall prospect. That was behind Tampa Bay Rays shortstop prospect Wander Franco. That was the highest I'd ever seen him at any outlet. For the most part, he had been around like around eight. I'd, I'd probably seen him, I think, as low as maybe 15. He dropped to 28, and, and there are several reasons for that. Nothing too concerning. Look, until proven otherwise, I am going to live under the belief that these guys are going to be wonderful, if not, you know, just solid major league players. I still believe that with Casey Mize, but I do think now that he's two years, soon to be three years removed from being the number one overall draft pick, I do think that some of the issues that were whispered about when he was drafted, those voices, those kind of doubters are are becoming a little bit louder. There are still issues with his mechanics. It wasn't just Pedro Martinez on MLB Network who pointed this out. There's been multiple outlets that even when he was drafted said, I worry that this guy is an injury waiting to happen. So there's that. There's the fact that he did get called up last year, which was good. And I still defend that decision. I think Avila made the right choice there, but he didn't pitch well. He didn't pitch well at all. Scooball had really two 
terrible starts. The, his his major league debut and that one awful start against St. Louis. Besides that, he was pretty solid. I think ERA, like in the threes, something to work on. Mize had one good start. You know, showed promise in his major league debut against the White Sox, but I'm not going to call that a great start. Had another solid start where he had a no-hitter through five innings against the Southsiders about a month later, but overall did not pitch particularly well. You have the mechanics issues. He's not a particularly hard thrower, and all of these prospect lists, they value hard throwers. They do. Now, Mize, I think we've seen him get up to 96, but is not the kind of flamethrower that many believe Manning and Scooball will be. I mean, we saw Scooball last year peaking at 98, has a tremendous fastball that dominated people in the minor leagues, and it seemed like he was learning to pitch at the major league level. Because, and I brought this up before, when you're in the minors, you can blow guys away with heaters. You can blow guys away with fastball with fastballs, and Derek Scooball did. One of the reasons why Mize was so appealing coming out of college and why he pitched so well in the minor leagues was that he was not a fastball heavy guy. Of course, he threw his fastball a lot, but he loved to throw the splitter, loved to throw that that kind of slurve, slider, curveball hybrid, likes to throw the cutter as well. It's very rare that you get a prospect that is that polished coming out of college or coming into the draft. Scooball, not nearly as polished, but I'll, I'll, I'll just flat out say it, he probably has better stuff than Casey Mize does. And if not better stuff, then at least uh, higher upside because of the velocity on his heater and, and because of how he's grown. I mean, he's taken so many substantial leaps forward in each of the last two or three seasons. It has been kind of a very impressive ascension by Tarek Skubal through the ranks. He finds himself now at number 20 on Baseball America's Top 100 list. So yeah, people were a bit surprised by the Casey Mize drop. I, I get it. He was not particularly impressive last year. People still worry about the mechanics. People still worry about potential injuries. And that's really the only thing with Mize that has me concerned. The demeanor is there. The stuff is there. The confidence is there. It's the potential injuries that worry me. There's not a single guy on this list who hasn't impressed me in some capacity over the last several years. They've all shown flashes of greatness. And it's also worth noting too that last year there was no minor league season. Probably one of the reasons why Mize dropped as much as he did is because the only evidence we had of him, the only footage we have we had of him a season ago was what he did at the major league level and he didn't pitch particularly well. And I think there's reasons for that. I think Chris Fetter is going to do a wonderful job with these young pitchers. I think they're going to develop, but I'm not panicking uh, about the drop really. I uh, ultimately five prospects in the top 100 that's why they've done what they've done, and you can agree with it or not, but they have sucked for four or five years, and they're going to suck for at least one more year so they can hoard as many prospects as, as they want, and assuming they can develop these guys, which is still to be determined, it should end up leading to good things, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Praise God. Please, for the love of God, have these guys turn out to be good. All right, so that will do it for this week's worth of shows. You can follow me on Twitter, I guess, if you want, at Castellani2014. I haven't tweeted in a while. Uh, you can follow this show on Twitter, at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. Would really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. Uh, some very kind of inconsistent shows in terms of subject matter, but we're going to get back next week. The stove is going to continue to heat up with all these signings, and I look forward to talking about them. Hopefully, somebody signs with Detroit, somebody good, Again, fingers crossed. We'll be right back here on Monday, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend, and go Tigers.